You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. I am uh, the guest co-host today. It's Evan. And so we're excited to enter another episode. Uh, so first, we're going to start off with our grateful moment. Uh, and really just three of us today. So it's, it's going to be a, a, a new feel to the episode. It's, it's me, Phil, and Alan. But we'll start off with Phil. Phil, what's your grateful moment? Hey, good morning, Belgium. I'm big up to a Belgium fan. I'm just happy to be alive. Going through some stuff with the fan, but I know God's good. And he's going to get us through. So never give up. Everyone goes through something in life. You just have to be able to buckle down and move forward. So I think this is one of those opportunities to trust God and build a better relationship with him. So I thank God for that. Good, good, good. Yeah, we're happy for you and praying for you. Uh, Alan, what are you grateful for? What's going on, everybody? I am grateful for, well, almost, I would say two things, one pending. Um, Last week, my parents celebrated their 41st anniversary. And... God willing, my nephew's birthday is in two days and he's turning 21. So it just means a little bit more hair um, that will soon turn white somewhere uh, on my head or my goatee. So it's it's wild to think I've been an uncle for as long as I have. Yeah, I understand getting a little bit older. Well, I'm getting, I have no hair to turn, but you know, as the bald head now, but yeah, uh, happy for your parents' anniversary and happy for. Uh, your your nephew uh, getting a year older. Um, I'm grateful that um, able to have a a good uh, week this past week. Uh, I had a little COVID scare with my son, but test came back negative. So grateful that um, that despite the things that are going on all around us, that you know we're still healthy and still able to do what we need to do. So. Um, kind of getting into our topic today um what do you guys feel about the nba's rules for the unvaccinated i I know they mandate the rest be vaccinated but what do you feel about about what they're doing for the players you see i have no problem doing it because just like measles bumps rubella um uh forgot the other one their requirements and now it's the like pfizer's effort fda approved I think it's safer for everyone. Listen, the NBA, just like the NFL, is trying to make money and they're not trying to lose any money. This costs, when the, your stars are out and games are canceled, that costs money. It even costs the players money because those contract monies, the TV money comes from advertisements and and and, and the people with eyeballs on the screen. So the whole point is the matter is that if they want to get paid, it's what you're going to have to do. You know, of course, New York is to, to lead the way by saying that, you know, if you're not, even their own plays, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in the arena. This is the best way to keep people safe. So I'm for it. Um, I believe many other teams are going to follow suit sooner by the time that training camp opens. And it's just going to be safer for everyone. Okay. Okay. Alan, what you feel? I mean, I think, I think it'll be interesting because I know some of these locations is specifically for the home team. Um, I know in New York, with Brooklyn in New York, I feel like someone else I'm missing. I think it's San Francisco, right? Yeah, Golden State, Golden State, yeah. Golden State, yeah. Yeah, so 
I think I think a lot more areas may be willing. I think it also depends on just just from these few cities and maybe other cities like the larger markets may follow suit um, because especially when you think of like New York, um, Golden State, San Francisco, like Golden State has always been considered technically like a small market, but now with all the tech down there, they kind of just blew up. So I'm thinking more like the larger markets may start to do so. Now, even the way they're trying to separate players, it's going to be interesting how they do all that because once they get on the court together, I mean, vaccinated and unvaccinated are going to be together on the court. So I'm just curious to see how that they continue to go about monitoring that by separating them on buses or whatever their mode of transportation is. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um, now, what I do find fascinating is they're not going to uh, test the vaccinated players' irregularity. Although we, I mean, it's an interesting rule. Uh, and I say that because, I mean, we do know there are breakthrough cases, although they are rare. Although they are rare. I, I, it, I wonder, do you guys feel it may be a little bit irresponsible not to test vaccinated players? And for the unvaccinated players, I, I would say that You got to do what you got to do. I mean, if, if you, you know, there are places in this country right now that you either get, 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 you either get vaccinated or you get fired. So, I mean, they still get a job, their contract's still guaranteed. So, I mean, I think they're getting off pretty light. You're still have, able to do what you want to do, uh, regardless of how others may feel about your decision. Uh, but do you think that them not texting vaccinated players is a mistake? I definitely do. I think it, to to keep to contain everything, and to do contact tracing and to limit because vaccinated or non-vaccinated, you still could carry the the disease or the virus, and you could still share it. So, I know that most likely the unvac the vaccinated person doesn't you know show symptoms or or it's quicker to um, get over. But I think they're trying to do it in favor or trying to promote. Hey, if you don't if you get the vaccine, we don't have to test you. And you can go about your business, but I think that's careless. If you got be, if you have protocol, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a quality control and um, area. So where we have tests, where we review things and processes and make sure that things are adequate. We don't give passes for everyone. This is the standard operation procedure for everyone. So you don't men um, make, you know, excuses for others. I think they have to stick with it to make sure they can contain this and make sure it doesn't spread because money is money. You know, games cancel cost money. You know, players, re you know, rescheduling that costs money and uh, contracts, you know, um, I'm surprised these these um, advertisement and TV ads don't have stipulations in the contract stating, hey, if you don't have a certain amount of games, I know NBA have to get played at least 70 games or they don't get their full money, but that could be a situation. But we'll see. I think they need to, should test everyone regularly just to keep everyone extra safe. I would also yeah. say that it's a mistake, but I would probably say that, I'm not sure if I would say that you would do them as regularly, but the way that, the, that these strains keep mutating it's kind of hard not to because now we got a new variant mu, right? So they would still need to be tested, maybe not as frequently compared to a person 
that is vaccinated, but I also think that, I mean, we all want the best, the best of the best on the court at the same time. But even when it comes down to individuals who are vaccinated, I still think that they may need to be tested. And then your vaccinated players, they just follow the same script from last year. I mean, it sounds like a a two-party system in a weird way, but I mean, at the end of the day, money is money and the NBA is trying to make sure that they're not losing out. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I I think it's it's a a mistake, Uh, especially because CDC is telling vaccinated people right now, if you're going to a a facility, um, mask up. Uh, so it, yeah, it's a mistake, but you know, Lee's going to do what Lee's going to do. Uh, and like you said, we have this new, this new variant, the mu, although Fauci said he's not concerned about it yet. You know, we still, we still have, a a ways to go in this fight. Um, so we encourage our listeners, you know, uh, stay safe, mask up and, and, and don't listen to John Stockton about the vaccine. Uh, get it acts so credible. Hold on, what did he say? I didn't know he said anything. Well, vaccine, uh, John Stockton was, was on a documentary, well, anti-vax documentary. So um, he was given his expertise, which I thought was uh, playing sports, but apparently he has more expertise in, in science as well. So, so this just tells me everybody's a genius on YouTube, right? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh man, uh, but. Changing gears, um, have have you all? And I know Alan's going to appreciate this 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 subject. Have you all been paying attention to J.R. Smith's uh, conversations on uh, on uh, Twitter? Absolutely, man. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it is it is a joy to see these live tweets. Yeah, hey, he's talking about getting his doctorate now. He was like, "Yo, I can see that." <laughs> <laughs> Doctor J.R. Smith, imagine he teaching a college class. Uh, Earl, his name is Earl, so it'd be Dr. Earl. Uh, you're right, Dr. <laughs> Earl Smith Jr. But yeah, um, do y'all really think that this guy's going to class, or he? You think he's just uh, tweeting? Nah, he's going to class because he was like, "Yo, like these cats in the in the little group chats don't believe that is me at all." <laughs> he's, a, and then it's like, I can't remember which which day it was, but uh. JR is talking about how he didn't like going to school. And then he was like, yo, I'm over here reading on the Atlantic slave trade. He was like, he started using words. He was like, hold on, when JR starting to use Eurocentric. I was like, oh, he's he's starting to come into his own now. He's gonna be straight, he's gonna be straight right before fall break. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Alan, I thought you'd be checking in because that's that alumni checking in on him and checking to get some info on the you know the back end. So I believe he's he's attending and that he's learning because I've seen pictures of him. I don't think he's trying to finagle himself through education, but really going it through like we have. Yeah. So more props I wanna, to him. I want to see J.R. Smith. Like, we need to go to A&T to check out an Inmiro's game if J.R. Smith is on the schedule. He said he's going to play in them. He's going to play in them. So if he plays in Inmiro's in basketball, we have to just – the thing about it is the gym, I guarantee the gym's going to be packed. So you got to get there early. And that may make Phil say he's not going at all, but. <laughs> Here's another reason why he's going to class. Because he got cleared by the NCAA, he got to go to study hall. Yeah. 
he's he's talking about yo like he was like yo I've been in study hall yeah yo it's 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 a, it's a good sight to watch man because yeah. I think the last person that we had actually that was a celebrity that came to A and T as a student was Lala's sister or her cousin oh, I think it was her cousin wow oh uh, yeah my HBCU's uh, most famous alumni was probably Little Richard, but you know, <laughs> she is a, um, but um, getting back back to the NBA, let's celebrate that a little bit. But back to the NBA, um, it was reported this week that uh, well, obviously we all know that Ben Simmons is uh, once is, once out of Philadelphia. He's been on the news all week, but it's reported this week that 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 not only does he want out, but part of the reason why he wants out is because, well, there are a few things. He's upset with Doc Rivers' comments after the game. He has a growing rift between him and Joel Embiid, and the Sixers had to make a choice between Joel Embiid and him, and he was seen as a casualty, so he wants out in a better situation. So, one, what do you, what's your take on these rumors? I love it. I love hearing Philadelphia is in a bonfire. Oh, it's so happy. You know, let me tell you, Philadelphia is, they are wicked. The newscaster, y'all saw that, that mean you posted it, you tweet, tweeted it, Evans. I did not tweet it. I did not tweet that. I did not oh, tweet You, you, you retweeted it. Yeah, yes, I did tweet. send it to you, but you retweeted <laughs> the, the The newscaster <laughs> during the flood up north, there was a garbage can passing through. And it was like, there go Ben Simmons leaving the city. <laughs> Boy, why would he want to come back? They got the newscaster, a newscaster airing a take on the, that he's trash and he needs to leave. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the real Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> he, he got one little fight that his brother sent him away. He's off to Bel-Air. <laughs> just listen to him. anybody just google the intro of the freshmen of bel-air it's like a mirror image insight of what's going on in philadelphia First of all, Fair everyone day. everyone should know the the intro to Fresh Prince Bel Air. If you don't know the intro of Fresh Prince Bel Air, you you, my kids on the intro of Fresh Prince Bel Air. I everybody should, but after this segment, everybody will even better. Just Google it and just enjoy, and just take Fresh Prince um out and just put Ben Simmons. Oh, he got into one little fight with meaning he didn't dunk the ball. <laughs> Doc Rivers and uh, Elmar has sent him away. <laughs> I'm trying to send him away for him, but everybody's offering him a box of cookies for him. You know, he should he needs to be quiet. Ben Simmons days are numbered. I think it's hilarious. It's great drama for the summer. But in reality, Philadelphia would be a fool and Ben Simmons to, to separate. They're to me, they're they're probably the number two team in the East, two or three team in the East that has opportunity to make it with Ben Simmons. And all Ben Simmons has to do is take a mid-range jump shot. But, hey, you know, young kids, y'all kids, y'all think y'all know everything. So, off to Bel Air. Smell you later. <laughs> I cannot. 
<laughs> that was a lot to tape in from Phil. But can you repeat the question again? That's how that's how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the rift between Joel Embiid and him being upset with Doc Rivers. And the question was, what are your takes on the rumors? Um the media. Part of it is media. Part of it is also true. I think part of it is true. Um, I don't think, especially like now with it about to be training camp in the next few weeks or less, um, we don't know if anyone from the front office, any of his teammates, Joel, Doc Rivers, the front office has attempted to reach out to Ben to show some sort of support. Um, but also that we've also heard from different reports that Ben Simmons doesn't doesn't like to be told what to do. He's basically a rebel who's stuck in his own way. My whole weird thing about it is if you're going to be a rebel, like Dennis Rodman was an innocent rebel, right? Like he does the things like you may tell him to do one thing. He may not do it that particular way, but guess what? He still shows up to work to get the job done. It doesn't matter if it's regular season, postseason, whatever the case is. Problem with Ben Simmons is, oh, we see this in the regular season, but as soon as the spotlight is just specifically on you as a team to where it really actually matters for you to be a contender, we're not seeing that. Now, Joel tweeted it out. I've had to deal with the booth. Matter of fact, he became a crime meme. Ben Simmons, you just... We're just tired of seeing your workout videos. It's it's now September. We're not interested until we actually see it on the court. We're not too concerned about it. But I think at the end of the day, if for one, let me put it this way, he doesn't have leverage, so he can't go wherever he wants. He has no player option. And he got four years left. Number two, I think, Maury and Brandon are going to wait this out as long as they can to at least get some trade value for him because I don't really see anybody giving up four first-round picks. I'm like, sure, you might be able to give up two and some players, if that. But the question is, who's going to be wanting to take that probably before the All-Star break? Everybody will want to take that. Everyone think they could crack this dude. So I don't want him in Charlotte. Yeah, I don't think a lot – I mean, I don't think a lot of guys want to give up – I think a lot of guys would take a Ben Simmons on their team. I don't right. think a lot of guys want to give up a lot to take on a Ben Simmons. So I think that is where the uh, situation lies right now. I would also say that um, Ben did this himself. Like, you know, Ben for the last you – know, Ben's been in Philadelphia since – he got drafted in 2016. So the last five years, Ben has been protected. First, the, the person be thrown on the bus was Brett Brown. Brian Colangelo. No, first was Brian Colangelo. Right. Then Brett Brown. Which is his then, godfather, right? Brett, Brett Brown's uh, his godfather. No, no, no. He's not his godfather. He, he was his father's coach. Uh, okay. And um, his godfather was the coach at LSU. Okay. Was a recruiter at LSU. One of the assistant coach at LSU. Uh, Brett Brown. Uh, Markel Fultz. Um, and... There was once a time when people were actually arguing that the reason why Ben Simmons isn't able to do what he needs to do is because Joel Embiid's on the team. 
I've never seen someone so defended from criticism in my life. It's almost like, it's almost like LeBron fans. They find convenient ways to blame everyone else, but no, never want to take accountability for the mistakes LeBron makes in the context of a game. Now, Ben Simmons is a NBA player. He's a NBA all-star. The question really for Ben Simmons, is Ben Simmons going to be a player that you're able to build a franchise around? And I think the answer to that is unequivocally no. I, you know, if Ben Simmons was a first round pick, but pick 15, people would love Ben Simmons. But because he's the number one overall pick, because he is um, extremely shy, which comes off as arrogant, and because he's allowing, and because he hangs out with the likes of LeBron James and all these guys, people naturally don't like him. Um, so I think ultimately the way this situation is going to play out in Philadelphia, he will, as Alan alluded to, he has no leverage. He's in a no, no-win situation. Um, I, I, I would like to keep Ben Simmons as long as possible, but I, I, I think that something's going to come to a head during the season and players are going to come available. It's just like with James Harden, right? James Harden, before the season started, he didn't show up to training camp, came in out of shape. But what happened? Eventually, teams started to raise the ante. The Brooklyn Nets then gave up pretty much their whole organization <laughs> and, and draft picks to get in on the, the, the James Harden um, freight train. And, and I'll be honest. Um, I think if you move Ben, the issue I see is defensively, the Sixers are going to hurt a little bit. And then with Maxie, I think Maxie is a really good player. But when Kelvin and I talk about um, Maxie, the one thing that he he doesn't um, yet bring in his game is he's not really a point guard. He's more of a combo guard. I think Maxie is going to get buckets. Uh, I think Maxie is an NBA player. I'm excited to see the progress he's made this offseason, the workouts he's been doing. But the question, you know, ultimately boils down to um, – what Ben Simmons brings is he brings a he brings a lot to the offense of how he's his ability to facilitate. And so, without Ben Simmons, are you going to be able to um, find another quality point guard player? Um, so it'd be in interesting to see for sure. Um, but I think people also have to remember. Now, granted, the Sixers team wasn't a good Sixers team uh, in twenty twenty. Uh, but uh, when they, um, 2019-2020 season, uh, but they got swept in the playoffs without Ben Simmons. And so I'd be interested in seeing um, how good this team would be without Ben Simmons. And so I think, you know, right now they're going to keep Ben Simmons until they find the right trade, and I think that's the right move. And he's got to put his big boy pants up on and deal with it because he has no leverage in the situation. And I've never met a more, I've never heard of a guy so emotionally fragile that they can't handle, that people can't handle the Philadelphia, the booze, stuff like that, fine, whatever, but can't handle your coach criticizing you. And, and, and to be honest, Doc didn't even criticize them. They asked him a question, he said, to be honest, I can't answer that question. I don't know the answer to that right now.
And people ask if Joel Embiid really threw him under the bus, but the reality is Joel Embiid gave a whole litany, but people just like clickbait and look at that one little segment. But we're going to move on from Ben Simmons and transition into this Kevin Love story. Uh, Kevin Love has no interest in a buyout because he wants those two years, $6 million left on the table. What's this tell you about, about Kevin Love? He loves his money and <laughs> nothing. Oh, he's a hustler. <laughs> he's How many songs are you going to sing today, guys? Oh, he loves his money. He ain't nothing but a gold digger. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is this. Kevin Love has a right to not... To, he, he, he earned that contract. He's not giving up a penny. So it's up to a team to, to take it all that it is. And I am afraid of this Kevin Love. I don't think he has anything left in the tank other than a backup, a $30 million backup. So, hey, he has every right. Nothing's guaranteed. He ain't trying to be a shooter out here. He, he ain't trying to give a penny. He earned it. He's a shrewd man. Keep your money. One, one thing or another, either the Cavs going to um, trade you or they're going to work out on, on, on just waving you off where you still get your money. So, hey, I will do the same thing too. Keep your money and you're not a gold digger. <laughs> I've been thinking about this and I'm wondering, is it because he has a ring already? He's not, he's not focused on the ring? Because normally people who are getting paid a lot of money, especially if they've been injured a lot, or may not be playing for whatever particular reason, if they don't have a ring, they're going to another team to pay a, a pay cut and they're bought out or whatever to go get that ring. And I'm really wondering, is it because he already has the ring that he's not interested in the buyout? Now, if he does stay with Cleveland these next two years, he's going to have a career earnings of a little over $266 million. So it's hard, it's hard to turn down 60 mil, but then we just seen Kimball Walker just like get deal with a buyout for I forgot how much money. I think it was like half the money with of the contract that he got with Boston was still on there. So I mean, look. You can't turn that. It's hard to turn down six million. If you ask me, if I'm gonna turn down sixty to be on the Cavs, you know, I mean, that's sixty million. <laughs> that's sixty million, and I'm not turning that down. I'm like, look, whatever you need me to do, Coach. Look, I mean, I may not like the situation right now. You want me to go get the water bottles? Want me to fill them up? I'll go fill them up. You need to. You need your shirt. Your warm up. I got you, but. I mean, we're going to see how, how it pans out. I think he might end up being traded. Um, if he can get traded to where he wants to go, but it's going to be hard because no one's trying to pay Kevin Love $30 million for the next year or two. So that's interesting. And I think a real good question, even about a Kevin Love's whole legacy, right? Because Phil brought up a good point, and, and you bring a good point to it as well, Alan. Like, no one wants to pay Kevin Love $30 million. Now, I, I don't think Kevin Love is washed to the point where he can't still start in the NBA. I think that, um, right, Alan, maybe he got his ring. He doesn't have to prove anything. But Kevin Love is really not uh, a guy who moves the needle for your franchise. He's a guy that if you have 
superior talent already will, will can help you get to where you need to be. Uh, but Kevin Love uh, is a guy who gets who you know in, in his early days would get stats, but you know it wasn't lead to winning, and still you know he's not able to transform a franchise and help you uh, win. Uh, but uh, for a team like Brooklyn, uh, he'd be good. A team like LA, he'd be he'd be a great addition. Um, even for the to Philadelphia, even for, the even for the Sixers, he'd be a good addition. But not if you have to give it Ben Simmons for him, because I think the difference is, I, I think Kevin Love and Tobias Harris are the same kind of player. They they can get you stats, but they're not going to necessarily transform you into a title contender. Uh, and the weird thing about, uh, here's the thing you have to admit about, about, about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has never missed the playoffs. And so while he does a lot of things not well, he does, whatever he's doing does translate to wins and his team is better with him on the court. Uh, but Kevin Love would be, um, you know, he, he got to get his money. And that's what he's going to do. And that's what he's doing. He's getting his money. And, um, but no one wants a $30 million deal. I'll I tell you who would take him. I'll tell you who would take him. A team like uh, OKC for a couple first-round draft picks. <laughs> so he's a guy that, you know, he put in your roster, but he's not going to sell you tickets. He's not going to uh, transform your franchise. He is what he is. But on a contender, he'd be a nice piece. He'd be a nice piece on contender. Also Miami. I would love to see him in Miami. That'd be, that'd be a good to see him in Miami. Um, as well, he's going to have to be like, in shape to stay in Miami because them stories that I've heard about down there in South Beach. Yeah, you better be in shape. Yeah, Jimmy going to be dogging him out. <laughs> <laughs> and Pat Riley. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on to our final topic for today, for right now, um, for this episode. This week, the the Brooklyn Nets uh, brought on Paul Millsap, whoop de do, and then they got rid of uh, DJ uh, DeAndre Jordan and sent and sent him to uh, Detroit uh, and took back to Little Okafor. So, what is y'all feeling about what Brooklyn is doing and about where DJ is going? So, what you feel about what Brooklyn is doing and DJ going to LA? So it's good for DJ because they didn't respect him. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are crazy. <laughs> they just collected all offensive pieces. Jalil Okafor, which you should know, a former first-round pick, number two pick in the NBA draft. And I was so salivating, number three, so I was salivating for him to come to New York. Come to find out, he doesn't play no defense. He, he, always, make, he always make business decisions. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, this dude, let the bull go right past him, and, and and and. But offensively, very skilled big man. Defensively, forget it. So, um, I don't know why the Brooklyn Nets did that. I think they need defense. DeAndre stills a lob threat. Still, you know, anchors the 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 back of the around the rim, can block shots. You know, I still believe that they needed that. You know, that would have helped them. I think if he played, that would have helped them in in Milwaukee series. Just someone that you know they have to fear. You can't trade baskets all day. You know that that system doesn't work. You have to play some defense. D'Antoni's system do not work. It gets you to the playoff, but the playoff it's a wrap. So um, great for 
great for the Lakers and great for the Pistons. I think the Pistons saved like $47 million or some money. I think, yeah, I think the Pistons will save some money on that deal, got some draft picks, got rid of, you know, players that they're in rebuilding. So they starting from scratch. So the winner of this um, whole um, trade was to me Detroit, saved money, and the Lakers. Now for the Nets, uh, great picking up LaMarcus and Millsap, but everybody's old, man. Are they, are they really compete against the Lakers who could have the oldest roster? Come on, man, but we'll see. More offensive players. That's it. So we'll see how this work out. Um, I, still, I still think the Nets is going to the finals, but we'll see. Go ahead. If you think Paul Millsap is an offensive player, <laughs> we might need to go ahead and end this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Paul Millsap is—he's old. He can't do nothing, man. I don't think he can contribute anything. That's actually not true. Wait, a, a defensive end. in Paul Millsap. Uh huh. I'm not saying he's Jeff Green. Let's just say he's Jeff Green time forward. So basically, what you're gonna get out of Paul Millsap is what you—a piece of what you expected out of, or what you got out of Jeff Green this past season. A person who can still defend, a person who has well IQ. I'm not expecting the brother to be to be a, a three a great three point shooter like that. He don't really he he's streaky with it, but I'm not expecting him to do that. You at least have a defensive guy out there who has some sort of size, who has some sort of experience. You're not looking for a guy who needs the ball. He's just going to do whatever he needs to do to help the team win. Cause that's what he's been doing for the nuggets the past two, three years. So now I do think with LaMarcus coming back, it helps some, I mean, but what capacity Um, it's going to, uh, you're still going to be able to score with at least Deandre Jordan. Like, He's only going to be out there like 10 minutes a game with the Lakers, and I don't even think he's a good fit for the Lakers anyway. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> to me, he's so, better than um, Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol did not move. Fall, he cannot uh, move. Dude, against the he Eagles cannot first. move. He can – Marcus Gasol can pass the ball. Marcus yeah, Gasol can shoot. But he can shoot. Yes, he can shoot, he can, but he can't move. That team is running up and down. But guess Lakers what? Are, but guess see, what? You got Dwight Howard back down. there who also covers for that too. You can't have both of them on the floor. So you don't need got... them both on, this, on the court right. at the same time. In certain situations, you would rather have Dwight Howard and Marcus Gasol in there compared to DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre I Jordan, DeAndre. if he's there, he's just there for insurance if someone gets hurt. Correct, but Marcus Gasol, yes, he could shoot, but if you've seen the games he played last year, he was the last person back. And on defensive, people was going right through him like he had the red cape. People Just were going, going right, right by DeAndre him. Jordan, too. So No, no at least DeAndre Jordan will, will uh, DeAndre Jordan make an attempt to, DeAndre attempt Jordan to block a shot. Gets lost on defense, Phil. Right, but he's still – yes, he would get lost, but exactly. I prefer him because exactly. he's a big body who will actually try to jump and block the rim. He could do something defensively. If I have a bunch of scores – on the floor, I could at least move him someplace where, yeah, he's not going to score, but guess what? He's still a lob threat. Marcus saw he's not a lob threat, and he got to shoot. So that means you got to take the ball and put it in his hand, and and if the ball, if the defense, out, defense wins championship. Defense. If you have a three scores, you're fine. You need defense, and Marcus Gasol does not provide any defense. 
Andre, he could attempt it. Arkansas is one of the best defenders. He's still a very good defender. No, he's not. Ole, his name is a good defender. His name is Ole. He's not an elite defender anymore. No, he's not Ole. If you're talking about someone who gives and be problems, Marcus Sol still gives and be problems. Oh my goodness, and that's NB playing with him. But that's what four years ago, not this year. Every game I see NB eat him up. Marcus Sol, he's that's why they. If he was so good, why they letting him go? Marcus Sol is done. That's they haven't officially let him go. Uh, well, if he's they do, he's gone. He's done. Nobody's gonna pick him up. Marcus Sol does not offer anything. Yes, he shoots, but the most important thing you need, you have the shooters. Yeah, Marcus Hall actually so. offers more than DeAndre Jordan at this that's, point. That's career. the part of that I'm confused I, about, Phil. No, he You're don't. Just talking I about lives and everything. Like, okay, that's that's fine. Guess what? They're gonna they're gonna foul DeAndre Jordan most of the times for him to go to the free throw line. At least you go. Marcus Hall is a great free throw shooter. Like, like but Phil, no, think about this. If 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 DeAndre Jordan is known for defense, why mm-hmm. did he get no run on the Brooklyn Nets when they they need defenders? Because Brooklyn Next was doing that small ball thing where they was trying to outscore you, and they forgot, and that bit them. You want to know what's the problem? The problem is this: the the Bucks starting five, everyone was a threat offensively, and this then on top part? of that, everyone. I'm sorry, I don't remember past three people on the Bucks. <laughs> um, you're, so there were there were phases in the game to where. Brooke Lopez was a threat. There were right. cases in the game where Pat Connaughton was a threat. And then occasionally, well, if he did, I don't think he really got run that much. But you can even see it, like I would just say in the finals, Bobby Portis, when his opportunity comes and the matchups favor him, he generally plays well. Right. DeAndre and Jordan, I- guess, guess what? Look, I'd, I'd be better off with him getting the ball, and then I can foul him because he might make one out of two. So they would have been at even with Giannis at the free throw line. That would have literally canceled each other up, fouling each other. But nah, here's what happened. Um, here's what happened. But that spin move, the wall that they needed to build, the Nets, they didn't do. They didn't slow him down. They didn't build that wall. Yes, he has somebody, Giannis has someone to kick the ball out to, but still, you didn't want him coming downhill. You prefer him taking jump shot, mid-range. And that Lamarck, um, DeAndre is long enough when he does that spin move, he can't go straight to the basket. He literally has to pull up and shoot. And that's what they that they should have done with him. So, I, like I said, Gasol is done. He's no longer in the lead. He's slow. He can't do anything. So, I think it's good for Lamarcus. Yes, I agree. The offensive part of this game is not there, but you need some defense. And defense wins championships. They already have but the defense. Lakers don't need – I mean, they got Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard does – does everything he does he does he's DeAndre Jordan times times five. Right. So when did they win the championship? They had two, they had two non they had a center who what block shots, rebound, putbacks, right? That's when they won the bubble championship. So he's a McGee, a low version of McGee, right? Block shots, put back, and that's what it is. So that's what they're going he's with. He's not going as with athletic it. as McGee was. He's not he's not McGee. Not anymore. I know, but he does play the similar role as McGee. He played the same role, put back. Lob, and, and that's what they're going with. That's what they feel they're comfortable with. With Gasol, he's taking up shots. Yes, the lane is open because he's not good down low. He's just a mid-range and three-point shooter. That didn't work for them. They want something else. I'm just Phil, saying, Phil, hey, Phil. I'm not saying the best option, but you can see Phil. what they're trying to mirror. Phil, they have I'm Anthony not saying Davis. the best option. Paul has to be honest about the Lakers this past year. Yeah, he's a, 
yeah. we're gonna be honest about the Lakers last year. The Lakers issue ultimately boiled down to his injuries. Correct. When they were healthy, they were top team, they were still a contending team. I think the Lakers are doing too much, honestly. I mean, I think their roster was fine if you if just factor in health. They still should the, the, the Suns weren't winning a championship or going to the finals if you had a healthy Lakers team. But the Lakers, I think they're and I don't think the Bucks are beating the healthiest Lakers team. I agree, but I think the Lakers are looking at the Nets. That's it. Bump everybody else, they're looking at the Nets. Well, once again, the, the, the Lakers have built a Frankenstein team. Just a bunch of people. <laughs> I agree with that. Go Phil, Mello. No, no, no. 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 You can't say you agree with it. You can't. Last week we had a whole big debate about this, Phil. What? About the Lakers. You say it's disrespectful. They should be a, a top a, a, a top three a top three team. Isn't yeah. Right. I'm they saying, all built I'm like Frankenstein, many pieces. I'm saying Frankenstein didn't fit together. So maybe, maybe that's oh, okay. That I'm saying it's a bunch of pieces thrown together. All right. To me, Frankenstein was a bunch of pieces that built together and he completed his task at hand. He stormed and destroyed the city and, <laughs> and did his job. So I think he's they're gonna do their job. I believe healthy, they're gonna go to the finals. And, uh, and Marcus Saul on that team does not help. DeAndre is it's it's even though DeAndre is a lesser McGee, I think he that that's what they're looking for. Someone who could block a lot because in reality they have like third. Th- everybody on the team need the ball. Here's, so here's they need the problem. one less ball. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna just leave it at this. Go ahead. When you had DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis in the game, DeAndre Jordan's gonna get in Anthony Davis's way. Oh, for sure. For sure. That happened with Andre Drummond last year. That's why that didn't really work. Because when AD needs to be down there, you have Andre Drummond or another big who can at least expand or open up the floor with either passing or shooting. That player is just in the way. Like, how often are you really going to have those two together? You'd be better off having at least Dwight in there because Dwight's going to know what to do to at least space the floor. He'll occasionally take a three. You're not going to see it too often, but you're going to understand that when the floor is open, it makes it easier for AD. DeAndre would just get in the way because we all know AD likes playing the four, so you really can't have those two in at the same time. You can. I agree. I understand what you're saying. You you can in the sense that AD could operate outside the outside the um perimeter. He will you take the three. Don't want him to do that though. You, I know, but he could, and that's the thing. So I, I'm not saying you don't want him to. His strong points is down inside because he's most likely faster than the four and the five person down there. So he could work in there. But I just think that with Anthony Anthony Davis, he's he could shoot a three. He could he could work all around. I just think that they're trying to mirror how what they've done in 2000 and and uh, the bubble, and also with um, Russ, Russell Westbrook, he's going to pass the ball up. And I don't see Anthony Davis and DeAndre playing together. I see him more on the, you know, subbing in when needed. So I just think that. So I think it's more for, hey, Russell Westbrook will get that ball, lob, and pass. But that's what I'm thinking. But we'll see what happens. I think the trade overall, great for, great for the Lakers and the Pistons. Nets, no. But Hey, I'm just a regular avid watcher for the past four to four years. Last one year. But uh, we will wrap it up here. Uh, thank <laughs> you everyone for joining us for another episode of Ladies and Dudes podcast. We'll see you all 
uh, next week. And I hope you're excited about our NFL episode where we talk about NFL predictions and all that good jazz. We out. Bill, you Smell need to be a side chick. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time. Thank you.